0: Uh, I, welcome to week two in our series on the Lord's Prayer, which we're now going to actually talk about. Um, we, are, we are spending time each week looking at different aspects of the Lord's Prayer, this prayer that Jesus uh, teaches us, gives us, even commands us um, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. This is from Matthew 6. And we're doing this because uh, if you're a Christian, then you long to, to be more and more connected with God, and it's really hard to know how to do that. We often feel like we're not doing that very well. And so we're looking at this words because Jesus is actually giving us the, the key to intimacy with God. He's giving us this invitation to intimacy. And we talked last week about sort of the prologue, the setup to this, where Jesus talks about this secret place, this secret intimacy of God where you can actually just tell it like it is because God already knows what you're going to say before you say it. And so now we're going to jump into the, the first line of this prayer, our Father in heaven. So I'm going to read this whole passage um, from Matthew 6 and then we'll jump into it. And this is the words of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray together. Uh, our Father in heaven, we say that to you right now, and we long to know you more as our Father. Please teach us to pray and what this means for our walk with you. Holy Spirit, please be at work through your word right now in us so that we might know you and love you more and love one another. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of, the, one of the best things that has happened to me is when I got married to Maggie. We actually... We got married uh, a, only a few steps from here in University Chapel, and um, there's a lot of things that change when you get married, right? And obviously, the, the, the most uh, noticeable changes happen between the bride and the groom, right? We, we came into that ceremony part of two separate families, and we left it a, a new family together. Um, but there was also something that really profoundly changed in my relationship with, with Maggie's father, my now, my now father-in-law, and I don't know if any of you guys have... Uh, who, who are dating or have dated have met your boyfriend or girlfriend's parents. It can be like kind of an intimidating situation and Maggie's dad, to be honest, is a little bit intimidating. He's he a colonel in the army. He's one of those people who just has like a presence. Like you just sort of feel his presence. in him. He's always been very kind to me and, and was very, uh, I don't know why, happy for me to, to marry his daughter. But um, you, you know, you don't call an army colonel like buddy or pal. Uh, you don't even call him by his first name. His first name is Colt. Uh, you call him Sir, okay? So all the, all the time, the year and a half between when I met Maggie and when we got married, uh, I, I called him Sir. And, and, I, and I have this memory of, uh, of walking out of the chapel newly married. We'd, we'd said I do. I'd kiss the bride. We'd walk out in sort of the bliss of that moment. And then uh, our families come out, and I remember Maggie's dad coming up to me and, the, and, and putting his hand out, and the first thing he said was, congratulations, call me Colt. Something had changed in our relationship, right? I, I had gone from uh, an acquaintance, maybe a friend, the, the, the boyfriend, then the fiancé of the daughter. I'd gone from that to son. And when, when that, that position changed, when that relationship changed, I got, to, I got to call him something different. I got to call him something more personal, more intimate. Something that reflects the reality of this new father-son-in-law relationship. Which, which we had. Uh, God is not someone that you have a casual relationship with. God created the heavens and the earth. In, in God's hands are strength and power and wisdom. God is, is perfect in his power and in his purity, uh, such that uh, to consider the reality of this perfect God as a sinful person is rightly a little bit... Terrifying. So you don't call God buddy. You don't call him pal. But according to, um, according to the Bible, when you look to God in faith, when you receive the death and resurrection of Jesus for yourself, the salvation from your sins, your position towards God changes. Your relationship changes. Uh, and the Bible describes this in lots of different ways, going from uh, things like Death to life, things like alien, foreigner, enemies of God, and you become instead a child of God. You become a son or a daughter. And when that changes, you call something, you call God something different. You don't just get to know that he is God, you actually get to now call him father. And so what I want to do is I want to I want to lean into this reality tonight. But before I do, I'm going to pause for a second and just recognize that um, for many of us, the idea of relating to God as Father is, is problematic and sometimes even painful. And that's because of the ways that our own earthly fathers have at times hurt us, have loved us imperfectly, have abandoned us, have let us down, have disappointed us, right? And I want to acknowledge that because if, if that's your story, that's probably what you're thinking about right now as, as you sing about the words Father, as you hear me say the word Father. And I, you know, I want to tell you that I'm, I'm like truly sorry for that pain, and I want you to know that God is truly sorry for that, and that's not right. And I want to invite you, I want to invite all of you to, to try to lean into the, the possibility of hope and healing that can come through this father-and-child relationship with our Heavenly Father that Jesus invites us into. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to think through the Bible tonight, and I want to point out three aspects of this father-child relationship. If Jesus tells us to call God Father, it means we have a father-child relationship. And here's the three aspects I want to point out. First it's this father-child relationship is redemptive. Secondly, it's intimate. And then third, it's missional. Okay, it's redemptive, it's intimate, and it's missional. So first, our father-child relationship with God is... Is redemptive. the the idea of this father child thing? Um, it sort of finds its fullness in Jesus throughout the Gospels. Jesus, I think, calls God Father like seventy times. But it's an idea that pervades actually the entire Bible. And, and the first time that this idea shows up of God as Father and His people as His children is actually in Exodus, the second book of the Bible. And if you're not if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, uh, Exodus is the story of um there's this uh, kind of the people of God starts with this family. Starts with this guy Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons, and their family ends up moving to uh, Egypt, and then they multiply, multiply, and they end, end up this, uh, this great nation, hundreds of thousands of people. And the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, doesn't like them, considers them a threat, and so he enslaves them and treats them horribly. And the story of Exodus is the story of their rescue and redemption, where God leads them out of slavery. This is the story of uh, Moses parting the Red Sea. You may be familiar with that. Of God rescuing and redeeming his people. And in fact, in the Old Testament, this is the pinnacle of God's redemption. It's a story that's looked back to throughout the whole rest of the Bible as the picture of God's rescue and redemption of his people. And at the very beginning of this story, God sends a man named Moses into the throne room of Pharaoh, and this is what Moses says. Listen to this. He says, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my people go. Israel is my son, my firstborn. The introduction to this pinnacle of redemption and rescue is also the introduction in the Bible of this father-son relationship with God. The two go hand in hand. So when Jesus tells us to call God Father, he, he is telling us that we are now in relationship with the one who saves us in his power and his love. That's what Father means in the Bible. It is to be connected to the one who saves you by his power and his love. Jesus came and died and rose again Because of our father-son relationship with God. Because that redemptive relationship is key to what it means that we have a father. And in fact, he saves us only because he is a loving father. So when you think about what it means to be a Christian, I know not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but if you think about what it means to be a Christian, we say things like to be saved, to be redeemed, to have been forgiven and given a new hope and a new life and a new heart this only happens because you have this redemptive father-son relationship or father-daughter relationship with God, okay? Our relationship is redemptive. Secondly tonight, our our father-child relationship with God is is intimate. And I want to press in here to to something that I mentioned briefly last week, which is how audacious it is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, tells us to call God the same thing that he calls him. Because Jesus is special, (laughs) Jesus is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the handpicked redeemer and savior of God's people. Jesus was a perfect and sinless man, never spoke or thought or did a wrong thing in his entire life. Jesus healed the sick and gave sight to the blind and cast out demons from those who were oppressed. Jesus fed people And not only that, but this Jesus, or actually taught in the Bible, is not just God's Son in some pejorative sense. He is the eternal Son of God. He, in fact, is God himself. So what we're getting at here is the reality that the kind of intimacy that Jesus has with God is the same level of intimacy that you are called into through Christ, okay? Okay. Listen to what Jesus says a few chapters later in Matthew 11. He says, No one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. He's saying, Access to God as Father is only available to me, but I am giving that to all who come to me in faith. I'm the only one who gets to call Him Father only. I'm going to share that with everyone else. And listen to this. This is what Jesus says in John 10.30. He says, I and the Father are one. Uh, Christians call this idea of of understanding the the intimacy and unity of God the, the doctrine of the Trinity. You ever heard that word? This idea that God exists in himself in these three distinct and yet united persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus saying, I am the Son of God. I am God. I am a part of God in himself. Think about how close that is. The unity that God has within his own self. You know how it's described? Father. Jesus says that's what you get to call him. Uh, I I don't know if you remember doing this as a kid, but at at some age as a child, uh, you realize that your parents' names aren't Mommy or Daddy. (laughs) You you start to realize that their names are like Kevin and Debbie or whatever. And and I remember um, our, our kids... Realizing that our names were not mommy and daddy, they're Maggie and Lewis. And so, when you're a kid and you realize this, uh, you think it's really fun and cool to say "Hey, Lewis" to your daddy. Now, do I want my kids to call me Lewis? No. Everyone knows that my name is Lewis, but we've got something special, right? I'm not just Lewis, them. I'm something more. So, what do I say to my kids when they call me Lewis? I say, everybody gets to call me Lewis. Only you guys get to call me Daddy. Only you guys get to belong to me. Only you guys get to have me care for you and protect you no matter what because you are mine and I love you. This is the love letter of God that you get to call him father. That is him saying, you, you don't just know that I am God, you get to call me daddy because you are mine and I love you. That is the intimacy of this father-child relationship that we have with God. Okay, so this relationship, it's redemptive and it's intimate. Lastly tonight, uh, it's, it's missional. And, and I want to um, finish by considering what it is that God the Father asks of Jesus his Son. And therefore, what he might be asking us if we are his children too. We've talked about sort of the benefits of being a child of God. This, this intimacy that we have. This redemption that we have. But we also have to consider the responsibility of being a child of God. The mission, the task, the job, what it what it means that you are supposed to do if you are God's child. And, and we've talked about the Jesus the Son, who existed in eternity with Father and Spirit, right? I've talked about that. But we have to remember that the Father sent Jesus to be born in a manger. He sent him down to be born in a manger to live. And to serve and eventually to die. God sent his son into a world of pain and brokenness to be an agent of love and healing. God sent his son into a world of pain and brokenness to be an agent of love and healing. That's that's sort of the beauty and the shock of Jesus being born, of the incarnation that Jesus, this eternal Son of God, who exists with God in heaven forever, comes down and takes on mortal flesh. He got colds. He got tired. He was vulnerable. And he dealt with the most difficult relational dynamics and problems that you can imagine. No one, not even his own family, ever understood him. He had no home. He traveled around where people eventually hated him for what he said. He was betrayed and abandoned by his best friends. He was falsely accused and condemned by the very people that he came to save and to love. And he was beaten and tortured to death on a cross. We have to reckon with that that's what God the Father asked his son to do. Calling on God as our Father actually expresses a a humble willingness for us to be sent into darkness and pain so that we might be agents of love and healing in the world around us. That's what it means. That's what we're saying we are willing to do if we say to God, our Father. We're saying, send me, I'll go. So we go. We go into darkness and brokenness. We go into the, the pain of other people's stories of their pasts, of their regrets, of their shame, of their sadness and their loss. We, we go in there as agents of love and healing. And, and I want to challenge you to seriously reckon with the reality of the kinds of people that Jesus is sent to. To the sick, to the poor, to the outcast, to the lonely, to the oppressed, to the disenfranchised, to the minority. These are the kinds of people that Jesus has sent to from his Father. And I want you to think about the kinds of communities and peoples that you see on this campus every day, whether the ones that you're already deeply involved in or the ones that you might be tempted to ignore or to judge or dismiss. And I want you to consider what it means that you might call on God as father and therefore be sent by him into the world to be an agent of love and healing, even though it might cost you a lot. It might cost you socially. It might cost you relationally. It might cost you time and money. It might cost you physically. But that's the mission that that God's sons and daughters are on. And it's actually a good mission. Do you know why he sends us on that mission? It's because God loves the world. And it's because he longs for the light and the love of his gospel to reach every dark corner of his creation. So he sends us on a mission. We, um, we, We identify ourselves through the relationships that we're in, right? And and if there's one thing I want you to hear tonight is that if you are a Christian, the only relationship that should define your value and your mission is your relationship to your Father in Heaven who loves you. Your relationship to your teammates or to your sorority sisters or fraternity brothers, your relationship to a boyfriend or a girlfriend, your relationship to a future employer, those don't get to define you. Because Jesus says you get to call on God as father. That defines you. That tells you who you are. That tells you what you're about. That tells you what you're supposed to do with your life. God is your father. Our father in heaven, it's, it's not actually how we pray. It is our goal. It's the goal of our whole life. That we might, like Jesus, stand in the midst of the brokenness and the pain and the darkness of the world, empowered to love others because we know that we have been loved by our Father in heaven. Let me pray. Jesus, um, we honor you that you invite us into this relationship with God as our Father. And I do pray that you would bless us with more and more of an experience of our redemption and of intimacy with you, so that we might have the courage to go out into the world in love as beloved sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one of the things that we started doing last week that we're going to do uh, every week is we're going we're to say the Lord's Prayer together every week. Is it on the, is it on the handouts? Uh, so it's on your handout or it's up here, uh, but what, the, the reason we're doing this is, is Jesus told us to, so we're going to do it. And we're going to try to, as a community, grow in our prayer life by saying it together. And so I'll introduce it the same way every week, and then we'll pray together. Um, I'll say, now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, because this is an audacious thing to call on God as Father. And it's not something you should do lightly, but he invites us to because he loves you as his children. So now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.